it's the sort of thing that I suppose you would know instinctively if somebody said to you that female academics suffered um, rather more from burnout during the first six months of the pandemic where everybody had to be home than their male counterparts, you would have gone, yeah, I understand that. But it's now been, if you like, codified via a paper put together by, amongst others, our next guest, Dr. Cyril Walters, Research Fellow in Higher Education at Stellenbosch University. <coughs> Cyril, good afternoon. Hi, John. Many, many exchanges of emails between us, but I think this is the first time we've actually spoken on air, is it not? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think so too. There nice to chat. It is. It would, be, it would be good to think that people in the academe were entirely gender equal and that the husbands, partners of female academics with children would say, don't worry, my love, I'll do 70% of the work, but that's not how it works in the real world, is it? Not at all, not at all. I mean, even before the pandemic, it was absolutely no secret that women in the academy faced a unique set of challenges um, from participation rates, promotion criteria, salaries, workloads, and all sorts of other factors, you know, that drove this inequality between men and women. And so what what this paper shows is just how that has been exacerbated, that working from home, the severity and the extent of working from home just drives this massive unequal outcome between male and female um, academics. Uh, some examples, Cyril, of, of what you were told by the people who participated in the study? I think the first thing that, that comes to mind is, is the increased workloads. Um, about 80% of participants reported an, increased, um, an increase in administration tasks. Also, the transition of teaching to online was not seamless. It, it, it even created more work. And so effectively, administration and teaching displace time for research. And what does that mean? You know, we're in the business of creating new knowledge, having to um, have certain research outputs for promotion and, and, and tenure. And so when you're in the game of publish or perish and you can't, because you've got so many other tasks to do, you just can't cope. And those that, demands... So, sorry, yeah, uh, uh, please continue and then I'll ask. Yeah. And then those demands then lead, obviously, to, you know, fixed personal well-being, fears, frustration, anxiety, and all sorts of stuff. Um, and, and so besides then, you know, the displacement of research, as much as there's been major shifts in the conceptions of gender roles in work and family and traditional expectations um, of women, it's still what we can see in the research that the home is the primary responsibility of the woman. And so all sorts of factors then lead us to believe empirically that the gap is just getting wider. There's those issues of uh, extra administration and uh, more time needed for online teaching, taking time away sure. from research. That would apply to male academics as much as it would to female academics. The difference is that those female academics who are part of a family situation were expected to do more of the the family work than the male academics are expected to do. 
Absolutely. So I'm not saying that, that men do not experience, you know, this conflicting demands between home and work. However, women um, experiences at significantly higher levels. We also know that just with the maternal role, um, I'm speaking through my own biography here, you know, having had a four-year-old child as a single mom during the pandemic, if I'm home, it signals access and availability, you know. It, it doesn't matter to my son whether I'm supposed to be working, whether I'm supposed to be in a, in a meeting. And so what that means for many women is that you saw more sunrises in the pandemic that you've ever seen in your life because to do research, to write, one needs solitude, one needs focus time, and you can only do that when everyone in the home is gone to bed. I wonder if, if um, any of the respondents were in two academic homes and whether those mm. turned out to be any different, that there was a greater understanding from um, um, an academic male partner of the, the pressures than there was from a male partner who is in business or in retail or in any other form of work. Absolutely. We did We did have those households. We're not only where um, the male partner was an academic they might have been in other industries, but very understanding. But but that is not that that is that's the exception rather than the rule. That that is the exception, and 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 you know there's five responses out of over two thousand and twenty nine responses to say my husband is amazing. He takes on um, the bigger roles. He takes on so much. I am so lucky. But but that is not that is not how it plays out for the majority of women in the academy. It's not entirely surprising to me that this that you found this, but it is really disappointing because you would think that in 2023 there would have been a greater understanding of the necessity, the importance of of sharing those domestic duties more equally. Absolutely, I mean a disappointment, but then also you know a disappointment in our institutions and in our policy makers do not recognise the gendered nature of the home um, as a workspace and as a talent management issue. And and so more so as much as you said in your introductory remarks, yes, it, 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 it seems obvious to us, yet it's not that obvious because firstly, it's actually not spoken about university-wide. These issues do not come up in meetings. Timelines are not adjusted for appointment and advancement of women. And so... We talk about this, we write about this, and everybody thinks it's so obvious, but actually no policy changes and we don't actually have movement in the system. Yeah, that's awful. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I think what we've got to realize is that the work of, you know, the academic woman is inescapably linked to the experience of well-being in the domestic space. So as much as there is there's a responsibility in the domestic space, there's a responsibility in your department, in your faculty, and in your university to, to recognize these issues. I mean, 90% of women who had children found work extremely hard. That's also to say that women without children also had many problems, you know, in their personal lives not linked to parenting responsibilities that affected their personal well-being and caused frustration and so on and so on. And so we can't look at it as just women with, you know, partners. Um, they were single women. You know, they then 
often had to take on more nurturing roles, more caregiving roles for students because it was assumed that that is their role to play. Many of these students could only access data late at night and female academics had to wait till those times to do that nurturing and caregiving roles to students. So, you know, we look at women, we look at women with kids, we look at women with children in high school, we look at women who do not have children, and then we also look at women who often have to care for parents, who have to call, you know, care for older relatives, and, and you know, that's just the nature of what we found. And so I think the extent and the severity of the experience is, is really going to be felt right now in how you look at productivity. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought you'd finished. I beg your pardon. Dr. Cyril Walters, thanks very much for talking to us. Research Fellow in Higher Education at Stellenbosch University.